Good morning, everyone. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us this morning from cold hearts and wandering thoughts, that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And it is a beautiful uh, spring morning. Welcome to worship, and we call ourselves to worship with the peace given to us by the Apostle Paul. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord our God brought us out of the land of Egypt. The Lord our God brings us here to worship. We come this day to focus our hearts and minds on the Holy One of Israel. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. The opening hymn, when you open to it, you will see is both in English and Korean. And I've asked James and Ruth to sing through the first verse in Korean for us, and then we'll sing the verses in English, all-inclusive, okay? Come, let us worship the Lord. As we journey through the Lenten season, let us focus our hearts and minds on the mercy of God and the power of God's loving kindness to forgive us, to renew us, and to restore us to abundant life in the Son of Man. Let us pray. We confess to you, gracious God, that it is hard to be foolish in the eyes of our friends and family. We want to be seen as wise and smart. We want to be seen as people who have life figured out. We are afraid of being called foolish. But the call you put before us to follow the cross of Christ is foolish to the world. Draw us once again to your word that we might have confidence in the truth of the gospel and proclaim your good news to all we meet. Hear the good news. For Christ has suffered, also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you and me to God. And so I declare to you, in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets, and so let us live. As we come to the word of God, let us pray. Lift up your hearts, let us lift them to the Lord our God. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts 
which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord from Psalm 122. Song of praise and prayer for Jerusalem, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. To it the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson comes to us from the epistle of 1 Corinthians. Here now the word of God from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The passage that speaks to us of the Lord's Supper, the community around the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you are hungry, eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. About the other things, I will give instructions when I come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our third lesson from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 3. Here the, the Gospel writer speaks to us about the ones who do God's will, being God's family. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they went to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the disciplines of the Lenten season is the discipline of community. The discipline of understanding 
that our faith is never an individualistic, isolated experience. Unlike some traditions, we as Christians do not believe that it is possible to be a believer in Jesus Christ and not be part of a larger community. And especially as Reformed Christians, we take that sense of community extremely seriously. For this reason, ministers do not baptize infants or adults or young people outside of a worship context at which elders and deacons are present to witness the event. For this same reason, our elders and deacons supervise the table when it comes time for us to share in Holy Communion. And this passage I decided to use on a Sunday when we were not celebrating Holy Communion because I wanted to discuss some of the issues around the table that may question your conscience. And I wanted you not to have to do that the same day you actually had to participate in the communion as it, itself. Because you see, this passage does something that for many centuries, we as Reformed Christians have not significantly understood well enough. When we read passage in this passage in Corinthians, for example, that we are to examine ourselves, and for all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves, all of, those, all of that language was used for decades and centuries by the reformers to limit who could come to the table. I don't know if any of you remember this from your church history lessons, but there was a time when you had to go before the elders and make confession and get a coin. This is in the Reformed tradition now. This is not just the Roman Catholic or some Greek Orthodox thing. You went to the, to the elders of the church before communion. It was only offered once a quarter. And you had to make confession to the elders, and then they would give you a coin that you had to present when you came to the table. Without that coin, you did not eat or drink. Okay? And that was the way they protected, okay, or fenced, as the word was used many times, the table. Because the table had not to be profaned by someone unworthy eating and drinking of the table. And all of that was based on this text in 1 Corinthians. Now, what is most interesting is I have to simply ask you a very, very simple question that the Reformers refused to ask because they were so determined to fight the issue of the nature of the Holy Communion. Martin Luther on one side was talking about consubstantiation. The Roman Catholics on the other side were talking about transubstantiation. And the Reformed theologians were wanting to talk about the difference between the real presence and the true presence. And in all of that conversation, completely missed the point. Okay? And it falls in this very, very simple statement, discerning the body. I would like anyone in this room to try to explain to me the mystery of Christ being present in the bread and the wine. The whole point of the passage, ladies and gentlemen, 
brothers and sisters, is that it's a mystery. You can't figure it out. You can't explain it. It just is. It is as much a mystery as the Trinity. Every time you begin to try to explain the Trinity, you go into heresy. There is no way you can explain a mystery. And this is precisely what Paul knows. He has just gotten done talking about the very mystery of Christ revealed to the Gentiles, and now he's not going to turn around and say to those same Gentiles, now figure out what happens at the table before you come to it. If that were the case, no one could come. And we missed that very simple point for centuries. Now, if that's not the case, then how do you account for all of the explanation that Paul gives to us about judgment against themselves and for some reason they were, they were weak and ill and some have died? That, you see, points to the real significance of these words. Discerning the body has nothing to do with figuring out how Christ is present in, under, around, through, or with the elements of grape juice or wine or bread or wafer. It has everything to do with discerning the spiritual well-being of the people who gather around the table. In other words, when we come to the table of our Lord, it's all about community. If you don't discern the fact that everyone around the table belongs to the Lord, and everyone around that table, as Jesus himself said, is my mother and my brother and my sister, and I am responsible for them and their physical and their mental and their emotional and their psychological health, I have failed to understand the nature of the mystery. That does not limit the table, ladies and gentlemen. That opens the table. The table of Jesus Christ then becomes an evangelistic tool, if you will. It says anyone who's hungry, anyone who's thirsty can come to this table. And when you get here, we will take care of you. We will be concerned about you. We will accept you like you are. Now that's very difficult. Because when Jesus did that, what did they do to him? He ended up there. That's the whole point of the season, you see. When you take community seriously, when you take your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ seriously, accepting every person as God's son and daughter, and when you come to the table, take seriously your commitment to each other that you belong to Jesus Christ and that you belong to each other. That it is a stronger bond than mother to son and or daughter, to sister or to brother, to aunt or to uncle, to grandparents, to larger family, to tradition, to history. It's all about community. Caring for the person standing next to you. Do they hurt? How do they hurt? Are they well? Do they need help? Are they hungry? Will they have a place to go when we're done? 
Discerning the body of Christ, you see, is all about understanding that we all belong to Christ. And that this table is not a place where we dissect the world from this side belongs to God and this side doesn't. The table is not a fence, you see, that keeps the bad people out and allows the good people in. It becomes the very focus of God's redeeming power. That table is as significant to us today as that cross was 2,000 years ago. In this table, God reaches down into our reality and says, I redeem you. I buy you. I gave my blood and my body for you. You are mine! And I will take you and I will love you and I will care for you and I will give you everything you need because you are mine and no one can take you away from me. Now that, you see, is a powerful word. That is gospel. That means, of course, that whether you're black or white, speak Spanish or Korean or English, whether you're old or young, whether you're male or female, whether you're straight or gay, no matter how you are, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, when you come to this table, you are loved. You are bought. And if you receive that message, if you live on the basis of that truth, if you have, if, if you will, faith to believe that that's true, your life can be transformed. And it will be. And it will be. It was always for the Jewish people, from our psalm this morning, a joy to go to Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem represented the very concept of community. I once talked to a young man who converted from Christianity to Judaism. Knowing why Jews convert to Jesus, I was curious about why he went across the fence the other way. And so I asked him, and he said to me, what I have learned is that Jews take care of each other. They stick together. Wherever I go, if I can find a Jewish community, I'm at home. What a tremendous judgment on church if that's not what he experienced when he came to worship God in the name of Christ. If this is not home, if this is not where we belong, then we don't belong anywhere. That is the tradition, that is the heritage of our Jewish fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. And it is the heritage that is ours in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we belong to you
because we believe in you. And therefore, we ask this morning for the grace to become like you, to welcome, to be open to each other, no matter who we are and no matter where we are in the journey towards Jerusalem, the dwelling place of the living God. We commit ourselves, O Lord, at this season to personal renewal, to asking ourselves how we have not been community, to our own families, to our friends, to our work companions and co-workers, and even to our enemies. Grant us, O Lord, the grace to be this community for the sake of your gospel, for the sake of our salvation, and for the sake of the salvation of all humankind. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing and let's join together in confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. Give us each an awareness of your mercies, that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we are grateful that we belong to you and that we belong to each other. We are grateful that the very concerns of our hearts and lives are things that concern you as much as national and international and universal concerns that remain in your power, for you are a great God. How great you are, O oh Lord. And yet we, uh, who belong to you and know you through Jesus Christ, ask, O oh Lord, that through him and because of his redeeming work on the cross and his constant presence with us in our worship, hear our prayers and heal our people and restore and sustain peace among us and our nations and our populace. 
Supply us with all that we need through the riches in glory in Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to boldly pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we close today, I want to simply remind you of the announcements on the very last page of your program and to remind you that as you go out this morning, whether it be to the front door or to the coffee hour immediately afterwards, the Easter flower uh, dedications are available. Um, One of the nice things is that this year the Latino congregation that worships is also going to be providing flowers uh, through their congregation. So all of us together will decorate the sanctuary. Um, And they are actually considering joining us on Easter Sunday morning for worship. And uh, Ellie and Walt, you'll be pleased to know, they're thinking about bringing their kids if we have an egg hunt. So they're, they're, just, they're talking about it. They'll get back to us beforehand, but it could be some, we could have a lot of fun that day uh, with little kids again. So, How are we doing, Ellen? We just won? Okay, well, we prayed for you, okay? And so God is good. Oh, I, would, I do want to remind you that we are the host on Palm Sunday evening at 6 o'clock for supper and the program around food. Uh, on April 1st, it's the last of the series, Lenten series, and they will, folks will be coming from all these churches to us on that evening at 6. We'll set up supper uh, upstairs in the gymnasium, and we'll probably have uh, a discussion about the nature of the food pantry ministry and uh, have folks uh, talk to us about what that's meant for us as a congregation and as well as what it's meant for the community, okay? It's simply a, it's a, not a big deal. It's a eat together, you have devotions for 10 or 15 minutes, and then you have an open discussion about a to- topic uh, related to food and food supply, okay? So I want to remind you of that. All right, having covered everything that we need to for the week ahead, <clears throat> let us join in singing our closing hymn number 400, singing first time through in Spanish, and then singing all four of the English verses. Knowing who we are and to whom we belong, let us go forth from this place, serving God. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.